The audio that you're listening to is recorded for Newfound Faith Christian Ministries at newfoundfaith.org. If you have not done so already, be sure to go to newfoundfaith.org and subscribe for email notifications so that you don't miss a post. You can also watch videos and subscribe on YouTube as well. Just search for Newfound Faith. Thanks again for listening and be sure to share what you listen to today with all of those that are around you. This week's Sunday School lesson, lesson number two in the spring quarter, Overcoming Temptation with the Word. This week's lesson is being taught from the fourth chapter of Matthew's Gospel, starting at the first verse and going through the 14th verse. lesson this week picks up right where we left off at in our Sunday school lesson last week where we were taking a look at the baptism of Jesus in Mark's gospel in our Sunday school lesson last week there were two verses that I did not go over because I told you that those two verses are a part of our Sunday school lesson this week and those two verses they looked at the fact that Jesus after he was baptized he went out into the wilderness where we are told here in Matthew's gospel in the first and in the second verse, we see where Jesus, he went out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. We are told there, it says, Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And in the second verse, we're told that Jesus, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights as well. So there are a few things that I want to touch on, a couple of things at least that I want to touch on in this scripture, the first thing that I want to touch on uh, is something that connects Jesus with us. We'll see there, we're told in the second verse that Jesus, after 40 days and after 40 nights, he was hungry. Could you imagine that? I think that all of us could imagine what it would feel like to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. And someone, I myself, I have never fasted outside of my fast, my temporary fast between dinner the night and uh, the night before and breakfast in the morning. That's that's the breaking of my fast, that breakfast. That's about the longest that I've ever really gone without uh, having anything to eat. Uh, Jesus, when it comes to fasting, you know, you can drink water and things like that. But Jesus, he went 40 days and 40 nights without eating anything. And so we, we, we would understand that he would have been really, really hungry having gone with probably just drinking water for 40 days and 40 nights. He was fasting. So I love scripture like this. I, I love where we get to see the human side of Jesus. We know that Jesus is God in the flesh. We know that he came from eternity. We know that he's divine, that he's holy, that he's righteous. We know these things. But I believe that there are times where we often forget the fact that though Jesus is God in the flesh, he was also in the flesh. He was living in the flesh. As John wrote in his gospel in the first chapter and in the 14th verse, the word was made flesh. The word that was there in the beginning with God and the word that was God, it became flesh. So I love where we get to read scripture, where we see Jesus, for example, here today, we see where he was hungry. And this isn't the only place in the New Testament scripture where we see this side of Jesus. Uh, for example, when he met the woman at the well, uh, Jesus, 
the disciples, they hadn't ate for a while. And the disciples, they went off into the city to get him something to eat. Jesus was thirsty at that well. That's why he went to the well in the first place, right? Uh, on another occasion, we know that Jesus and the disciples, they were crossing the sea. And Jesus, he was so tired that he fell asleep on the boat. When the tempest rose on the sea, he wasn't awake for it. The disciples had to actually go and wake him up during the storm. That's how heavy his sleep was. So I love where we can see Jesus actually living in the flesh and where we can see where Jesus would be tired, where he would be exhausted, where he would be hungry, where he would thirst. We, we get to see those things because it connects us with him. We don't have to necessarily imagine what Jesus was going through or how he felt after the 40 days and 40 nights. We would simply understand it, right? So I love when we get to read scripture like this. It, it puts me in mind of, of something that we discussed in our Sunday school lesson last quarter, where we was looking at Jesus being our great high priest. And in that lesson that was from the fourth chapter of Hebrews, we learned that we have a great high priest that is compassionate towards us. In other words, we have a great high priest in Jesus who sympathizes, who understands what we go through. So that's saying that we, that God can sympathize with us, that our creator understands what, what we go through on a daily basis. How can he do that? Well, again, he put himself in the world. He became flesh and he dwelt among us. And so he understands the concept of having aches, having pains, being hungry, starving, right? Being thirsty, needing something to drink. Jesus understands that even though we don't read about Jesus having headaches or anything like that, sneezing and coughing and things like that, I can imagine that that happened because again, he lived in the flesh. So he understands our plight. And as we'll see here in our Sunday school lesson today, which is about the temptation of Jesus Christ. We know that he understands what we go through on a daily basis when we are tempted to err, to, to disobey, to be disobedient uh, to the Lord. He understands being tempted by the devil himself, as we will see here in our Sunday school lesson today. Something else that I want to point out here about the first two verses of our lesson this week is the fact that Jesus was led by the spirit. We'll recall from our Sunday school lesson last week that after Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove, which again is essentially representative of what happens to us as believers, right? When, when we confess with our hearts that we believe in the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes upon us and the Holy Spirit dwells with us. So Jesus, in our Sunday school lesson last week, the Holy Spirit came and dwelt among him, upon him, right? And we're told that he was led by the Holy Spirit, which again, it, it connects us with him, right? Because you and I as genuine believers, we are led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the role the Holy Spirit plays in our life is that of the helper. Okay, he's our helper. He's our comforter. He's our guide. He calls to remembrance all things that we have been taught, all things that we have learned through Christ Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Again, he orders our steps. 
So we see here that the Holy Spirit led Jesus out into the wilderness. And this may cause some to, to ask a question. It may cause some to ask the question, well, you know, we, we have the mindset now because we know what happens ahead. We, we know what happens, right? We know that Jesus ends up being tempted in the wilderness after he fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights. Well, some will begin to wonder, well, did the spirit lead Jesus into temptation? Which again goes back to a topic that we discussed last quarter as well. Does the Lord test us to, to see if we will fail? We saw that in James's letter in his writing and something that we ought to understand. Okay. Something that we should know, because again, we just studied this. We know that the Lord does not tempt us to fail. God does not tempt anybody to sin. Why would he? That's what I had asked in that lesson. Why would, why would the Lord tempt us to sin when he first doesn't know any sin? God is righteous. He's holy. He's divine. He's perfect. So because he does not know sin, he will not tempt us to sin. Neither does the Lord desire for us to sin. God desires for us to remain faithful. He desires for us to lean on him. The Lord desires for us to depend on him, to trust in him, to put all of our faith in him. So he's not going to tempt us to error. He does not want us to err. That is, again, why he gave us his only begotten son, so that we can know the way that was not of error, so that we can go the proper way, so that we can live by the truth, so that we can live by the word, which, again, that'll pop up in in our lesson here today as well. So the spirit did not lead Jesus into the wilderness to, to error, to fail, to sin. However, something that we did learn all of last month and even the month before as well, is that the Lord will permit. He will allow us to, to face trials and to have tribulations. Afflictions will come our way. Like I said, and you've heard me say this before as well, just because we believe in the Lord doesn't mean that our life all of a sudden is going to be nothing but sunshine and rainbows. We are going to have our troubles. We are going to have our struggles, as I have said, and I've never tried to hide this from any of you. I, when the, the moment it, it feels like the moment that I decided that I was going to accept my calling as a preacher, it seems like things got even more difficult for me. I have trials. I have tribulations. The Lord will allow us to go through some things so that we can be strengthened by what it is that we go through so that we can again know that whatever it is that we face in life, the Lord is going to be with us and that we are going to overcome. And that's essentially what we will see happen here in our Sunday school lesson uh, today. When we make it through the temptations of Jesus, we will see that he was strengthened and moving forward. OK, so our Sunday school lesson continues on there in the third verse. We're told there in the third verse, it says that when the tempter came to Jesus, uh, the tempter said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. So this is the devil's first temptation of Jesus. Let us not let us not miss the fact that the devil, he is testing Jesus with a test that is first off, it is a physical test, right? The devil knew very well that Jesus was hungry. 
Jesus again had just fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights. So the devil, he went on attack right away, attacking Jesus's flesh. The first temptation, it was of the flesh. It was something that was uh, physical. It's a test here that is very similar. And I just covered this in a Bible study that I that I did recently. So uh, you can go and check out that Bible study that was about adversity. So go and check it out because I, I discussed uh, this temptation uh, as well. This temptation of Jesus is very similar to the first temptation that we even read of the devil in the Bible. The devil's first temptation in scripture is when he came to Eve and to Eve, he said, Hey, there's nothing wrong with eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was a test about uh, the flesh really, which is interesting because, you know, Eve and Adam, uh, they didn't have the hunger for anything. They could eat at any point in time. They didn't have to go out and, and work for, for whatever it is, whatever it was that they chose to eat. I don't even know if Adam and Eve ever really hungered, uh, to be honest with you, but that was the devil's, his first temptation ever. It, it revolved around food about eating something, which again is something that is of the flesh because we ourselves, we are going to hunger. We are going to crave things. Uh, and, and the first test here, though it was a physical test, I, I, I would suggest to you that this first test was essentially an attempt on Jesus to see if Jesus would fulfill the desires of the flesh. When our stomach grumbles, we are going to go and try to put some food in our grumbling stomach, right? But this test, I believe it extends beyond the point of fulfilling our belly. Again, we're supposed to rely on the Lord. We're supposed to rely on the Lord to supply our every need. But here with this test, Jesus, of course, would certainly have wanted to eat and he certainly would need to eat at some point in time. He would need to do put something on his belly. The devil wanted to see if Jesus would rely on the Lord to supply that need or would he go out and supply or supply his need or satisfy his need? Would he go out and satisfy his need by himself? And that's something that all of us, I believe, often fight today. Are we going to depend on the Lord or are we going to try to go out and fulfill our needs or our lust? I should say, are we going to go out and are we going to try to satisfy those things by ourselves or are we going to to wait on the Lord? This is the first temptation of Jesus by the devil. OK, would Jesus remain faithful with would he trust in the Lord to supply his every need or would he go out and would he fulfill the the desires or the lust of his flesh? Because, again, Jesus was was living in the flesh. What would Jesus do? OK, so we're, we're told there in the fourth verse, we see Jesus's response and his response is that man should not live by bread alone, but man should live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So look at that. And this reminds me of the sermon that I preached a few weeks ago, live, live by the truth. We find Jesus here living by the truth, right? He is choosing to live by the word. He's not giving in to the temptation of the devil. The devil wanted Jesus to go out 
and to fulfill the lust of the flesh instead of wait on the Lord. Whereas Jesus said, "Uh, -uh I'm not going to do that. I'm not playing that game with you, old devil. I know exactly what you're trying to do. Jesus is in that mindset. Yeah, I know that I haven't ate anything for 40 days and 40 nights, but I'm not going to give in to you. I'm going to lean on the word. I'm going to lean on the Lord and I'm going to live by the word. I'm going to live by the truth. I'm going to live by God. That was Jesus's response to the devil. Okay. So again, this, the devil's temptation here, we'll see that when he can't beat you physically of the flesh, we'll see that he's going to turn to the word as well. If you're going to live by the word and I preached this in that sermon, live by the truth, the devil knows the word. He has knowledge of it. Okay. He didn't have more knowledge of it than, than, than God himself. Right. He didn't have more knowledge of it than, than Jesus, but the devil will turn to the word. And as I said in that sermon, the reason why the devil, when, when, when you are strong, when you are strong, uh, in the faith and, and worldly temptations, they, they, they can't overcome you. The next thing that the devil is going to do is he's going to attack the truth. He's going to attack the word of God. If you're living by the word and I, I genuinely believe this when, when we start out in our faith, okay, the devil is going to tempt us with the world. But as we progress in our faith, as we grow in our faith, and this is something that you hear me talk about all the time, that that our faith, it must mature. It must grow. We can't remain stagnant in our faith. As I've spoken about this before as well, that, that, that there are three levels of faith. I did a Bible study on this as well. So certainly look this up if you did not go over that study, if you did not read that study, certainly do so. There are three levels of faith. You either have no faith, you have little faith, or you have strong faith. There are many people who are walking around today who are of little faith and little faith is, is the kind of faith that James spoke about it. It wavers back and forth. It is tossed to and fro like a wave of the sea. One second, it, it is of faith in God. The next second, it doubts the Lord. The devil loves to attack those that are in this 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 atmosphere of faith. He loves to attack those that are, that are that are at that level of faith by attacking the truth, attacking what they think they know. OK, so our faith, it must progress. It, it must grow because the devil will, will, will attack with the truth. And of course, he's going to attack those who are of little faith with, with temptations that are of the flesh, because those who are of little faith, they they are more susceptible to falling to their lust than those who are stronger in the faith. That's not to say that those who are stronger in the faith can't uh, be tempted by the lust of the flesh, because we certainly can. But those who are of little faith are of little, a, a lot more less resistance is what I'm trying to say there. They're of lesser resistance than those who have built up their resistance uh, to the lust of the flesh. So when the devil can't beat us there, he's going to attack the truth which is why we must be diligent in our studies. We must understand, we must come to know the truth. And we'll see that that is exactly what the devil did in his second temptation of Jesus. We're told here in the fifth verse says that the devil took Jesus up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple. So set him on the top of the temple. And we'll see there in the sixth verse that the devil said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, 
He shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands, they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. So the devil was paraphrasing scripture, not quoting scripture to a T. Like I said, the devil knows of the truth. He knows of the doctrine and he will try to attack the doctrine. He will try to attack the truth. He will try to attack it in a manner to twist it and, and to corrupt it so that you can become confused on what the truth is. And, and that's essentially what we find the devil doing there, twisting and, and corrupting the word, trying to, to confuse, get this. He was actually trying to confuse Jesus. Imagine that, right? But that's what the devil was doing. So this second test, it is a spiritual test. It is a test of the faith in the devil. He often attacks in this manner to see if you are going to truly trust in the Lord. Uh, are you going to, to, to trust that God loves you? The, the way that the devil frames this test by setting Jesus up on the pinnacle of the temple and then telling him to, to throw himself off of it was like trying to see if the Lord would really catch him before he hit the ground, right? Before he, would God catch you before you fall? Would God, does God truly watch over you? Does God truly keep you? Does, does he shield and protect you? Does God really love you? That's what it would, if you look at it, that's what the devil was essentially testing there. He wanted Jesus to test his father to see if his father really loved him. And so he, he, he set him up to this place to see, to, to, to make that test happen. Okay. It, it reminds me of, of Job in a way. It reminds me of, of what Satan wanted out of Job. Okay. When you go to the first chapter of Job and you look at the first chapter of Job, what was it that the devil wanted Job to do after he had tested him? The devil wanted Job to curse God. That's all the devil wanted out of him. Because guess who's cursed God? The devil. He's the father of sins. Okay. He, he, he cursed the Lord a long, long time ago. And he desires for, for others to do the same. The devil wants us to see the Lord as he sees the Lord. That's what the devil wants from us. And so a curse of God would be to turn around and to think that the Lord doesn't love you. Some of us, we, we foolishly will put God to the test. We, we, we'll say to the Lord, hey, God, if you do this, I will believe you. Or we'll say, hey, Lord, show me a sign and, and then I'll move. I'll, I'll do what it is that you that you want me to do. Many of us, we foolishly put the Lord to the test, uh, trying to see if God will do what we want the Lord to do. We forget that the Lord has his own desires, that the Lord has his own will and and the Lord's will, it far exceeds our will, okay? Has much more priority to him, uh, to him alone, right? And so some put the Lord to the test and they'll be saddened when God doesn't move like they wanted him to move. Some people, they'll ask God, for example, just to speak uh, figuratively, I guess you could say for a moment here. Some people pray for a cake, and they'll get upset when the Lord provides them with the ingredients to make a cake. And does, do you get what I'm saying there? That's how some people act. They'll get upset and they'll say, well, 
God didn't do this thing for me, even though I prayed for it. God, God didn't give me this. He didn't give me exactly what I wanted. And they'll go off and they'll begin to think, well, the Lord doesn't love me. God doesn't care for me. God is allowing these bad things. How, tell me this one. How, how many times have you ever heard this one? Or maybe even thought it yourself. God doesn't care about me. He's allowing me to go through this thing or that thing. Right. And, and, and when we begin to think in a moment where we begin to think that God doesn't love us or we begin to think that God doesn't care about us. That's a curse. That's us cursing God. That's us essentially speaking against God. Because as John said in his first epistle, God is love. And we know that God is love. He loved us. We, we know that the Lord loves us because he gave us his only begotten son. So the very moment where we begin to deny and we begin to doubt that God loves us, that's essentially us cursing the Lord. And that's what that's essentially what, what the devil wanted out of Jesus there. When, when he says, hey, cast yourself down and, and, and the angels, they'll catch you. It's almost like the devil was saying, hey, if the angels don't catch you, then then your father doesn't really love you. And see, when, when the devil, when he can attack us in this manner and when he can get us to to begin to think that. He can get us to the point to where we begin to buy into it and we begin to believe that the Lord doesn't love us. And, and when we begin to believe that God doesn't love us, he has us. He has us in his snares. He has us right where he wants us. The devil does. And many people have fallen away from the faith because they believe that the Lord doesn't love them. And that couldn't be any further from the truth. The truth of the matter is, yes, God loves you. The truth of the matter is that, yes, the Lord is watching over you. He is the good shepherd. He watches over his flock. He not only watches over his flock, he keeps, he cares for his flock. He knows his flock, every sheep he knows by name. He supports us and he supplies our every need. Yes, we are going to again have our trials. Yes, we're going to have our tribulations. Yes, we're going to have afflictions. We are going to have infirmities. But what we have learned and what we now know, what we believe, is that in our trials, in our tribulations, the Lord is going to comfort us. This is something that Paul himself had to learn with his thorn in the flesh. Paul, he prayed about his thorn in the flesh three times. Okay. And, and the Lord told him, I love you. My grace is sufficient for you. In your weakness, I am perfect. I am strong. So we, we, we should never put the Lord to such a test and we should never allow Satan to put that thought in our mind. The thought of, hey, God don't love you. If he loves you, then do this. Never think that way. When you begin to think that way, just know that's the devil and that's the devil playing games with you. Now, again, look at how Jesus responded there in the seventh verse. In the seventh verse, Jesus said to the devil, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord, your God. Don't do that. Okay, don't don't tempt the Lord uh, in such a manner. We'll see here in the eighth and in the ninth verse that the old devil had another temptation because, again, we find that Jesus was living by the word. He was living by the truth. So the physical test, it, the, the test that was of the flesh, it didn't work. The spiritual test, the testing of the faith, whether or not the Lord loves 
whether or not Jesus believed that God loved him. That one failed as well because Jesus knew that the father loved him. Okay. The eighth and the ninth verse, we're told that the devil took Jesus up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed to him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And then we'll see in the ninth verse that the devil said to Jesus, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. He was trying to get Jesus to, to commit that unpardonable sin. The sin of blasphemy, blaspheming the spirit. He, he was trying to get Jesus to worship him. He look at this test. I, I want you to see this test because this test, I would tell you that this was a, a psycho, a psychological test, a, a mental, a mental challenge. And the reason why I say it was a psychological test, because essentially it's a, a combination of the first temptation and, and the second temptation where the first temptation was, was solely of the flesh. And the second temptation was solely of the spirit. This third temptation, we see that it is a combination of the two. And this is again, how the devil attacks us today, especially all of us who are strong in the faith. This is how the devil tests us. And he will test us with this test over and over and over and over again, which is why it becomes a test of our psychological endurance. Can, can we bear it mentally? So here in this third test, he shows Jesus the kingdoms of the world and say, hey, I can give it to you. And if you remember my sermon from a few weeks ago that I have referenced here today about living by the truth, you recall that I, I spoke about the, the false prophets and the promises that they make that are empty promises. I want you to understand that this is an empty promise from the devil. OK, about the, the, the kingdoms of the world. This this test, again, it was psychological. It was an endurance test of the mental here because there are so many people who are of the faith who desire to be well off. Right. We, we, we desire to be well off. We don't want to have any struggles. We don't want to have any any hardships in our life. And many people believe that their hardships will go away when they gain the riches of this world. But the problem is, is that the riches of this world, they are temporary. Not only are they temporary, but they do not satisfy the soul. They do nothing for the soul, which is why this premise from the devil is so empty. He offers many people today, the kingdoms of the world. And, and many people, they, they go out and they grind, and they hustle for, for the riches of this world only to find out that their happiness that they that they got from gaining the riches of this world was was temporary it was not long lasting not only was it not long lasting but it did nothing to profit uh the soul so that's why this temptation again it was so empty but he again he he this is how the devil tests us today and this was the third temptation that was uh, you know to Jesus Jesus, he had a, a test that was of the flesh, a test that was uh, of the spirit, the faith, and then a combination of the two. And the third test that became more of a psychological test. Would Jesus give in? Would he cave in to this test? As again, many people, many believers have, have caved into the temptations of the devil because the devil kept tempting them over and over and over again, just kept beating up on them. And they wore out psychologically. This is why you often hear me speak about 
how when we pray, we need to pray about our health in all facets of our life, in, in every stage of our life, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. We need strength in every stage because the devil is going, when, when he's after you, when he's attacking you, he's going to pound on you in his attacks in all of those stages, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. The devil is going to challenge He's going to attack you in each of those stages. And if you aren't built up, if you're not strengthened in those stages, he's going to wear you down, which is why we must be diligent in the word. That's why we must be diligent uh, living by God's instructions. When we live by his instructions, God's instructions will build us up. God's instructions will make us strong. We must be diligent in our studies. When we are diligent in our studies, then we begin to know, we begin to understand the truth so that it again, when Satan attacks the truth, we are built up. We will not have the truth twisted against us. The truth will not, uh, when it is, when the devil bends it and he corrupts it, it will not fool us. It will not deceive us because we know the truth. And we'll see here with Jesus in his response to the devil again, Jesus said, away with you, Satan. He understood. He recognized what the devil was doing. And we have that same ability, I believe, when we are diligent in living by the word of God. We will recognize what the devil is doing and we can overcome it because we'll lean on the Lord. We'll be able to say to the devil, away with you. You're not going to get to me with this. And again, this is something that I had to learn myself. In those years where I were undergoing dialysis, you know, I had to learn that myself, that again, what I was going through, it was a challenge and Satan certainly would challenge me because he thought that I was weak. You know, the devil is like Peter said, the devil is like a, a, a roaring lion and he'll tempt, he'll attack those who he believes is weak. But again, we may be weak physically. Okay. At, at times we may be weak mentally at times we may be weak men, uh, emotion, uh, emotionally as well. But again, when we are built up in our faith spiritually, we are stronger than we realize. And that's what I learned, uh, and what I went through. And even to this day, uh, there are still times where, you know, I can feel like I'm being hindered or where I may feel weak, but I begin to realize that I'm not weak, that I'm actually very strong. The fact, like I preached a few weeks ago, the fact that I'm still standing is a testament, is a testimony in itself. And I would say the same thing to you, the fact that you're still standing, that that is a testimony uh, of your faith. And that is a, not only a testimony of us, our faith, but it is also a testimony of the Lord as well. Again, Jesus said, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord, your God and him alone or him only you shall serve. It takes living by the word to defeat Satan. And we're told there that Jesus, again, in all three of the challenges was focused on living by the truth, living by the word. And that 11 verse tells us that that when when Jesus said this, the devil left them alone. You, the reason why the devil left them alone wasn't necessarily because Jesus said away with you, Satan. It was because he understood that he could not break Jesus. And, and again, I believe the same thing holds true for us. You know, the lion, when it 
is on the hunt, it is going to hunt for the animal that it feels is weak. That is what the lion does. It, it, it prowls. It goes on the hunt for the weakest animal so that it's an easy takedown. It's an easy kill. It doesn't have to really do any work. That's how predators work, by the way. Okay, looks for, for what is weak. But again, the devil, when he tries us, he believes that we're weak. But when he tests us and he sees that, hey, we, we're not so weak that we're going to give in to the lust of the flesh. When he tests us and he sees that, hey, oh, yeah, I know that the Lord loves me. You're not going to get me there. He'll again keep combining the test to see if he'll break us. But over time, when he realizes that he can't break us, he'll leave us alone. He'll leave us alone for a bit. Eventually, he'll try to come back and he'll try to test us again. But that's why, again, we we must be diligent in, in, in the word. That is why we must put on the whole armor of God, because the devil is going to try to, to keep on attacking us over and over and over again. But when we are diligent in our studies, then we can overcome. The devil will leave us alone. All right. We, we have victory over Satan because, again, our faith is in the one that has already overcome him and already overcome the world as well. And again, I don't want you to miss the fact that this all happened after Jesus had been baptized, after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. It's amazing how uh, the devil attacks. He'll attack us in moments where we have tried to make a change to to commit ourselves more to the way of the Lord, it seems like the devil will always pop back up and say, hey, not so fast, remember me. It seems like in our highest of moments, right, the devil comes along the way to try to snatch us, to try and bring us back down. That's how the devil is. Okay, so you can already, I'm telling you, you can already expect that. When you receive your blessing from the Lord, the devil isn't too far behind to try and snatch it away from you. Don't let the devil do that to you. Okay. All right. So the last few verses of our Sunday school lesson here today, the 12th, the 13th and the 14th verse, it gets into the beginning of Jesus's ministry, the ministering years of Jesus. He began to minister immediately after he was baptized and after he uh, fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights. We're told there, it says that, when Jesus had heard that John had been put into prison, he departed to Galilee. Very interesting there, because again, I mentioned this in our Sunday school lesson last week where we were talking about John the Baptist and how he was ministering out into the wilderness and how he it was better, best for him to do that because the religious leaders, they would have tried to drown out his message. And, and I mentioned in last week's lesson as well that they eventually, the religious leaders, they did send out priests and Levites to see what he was up to, to see by whose authority was he working? Because again, in their minds, uh, anybody that was preaching should have been working under their authority. But John told them that he was working under the authority of the Lord. And but eventually they they arrested they arrest arrested John, I should say. And it was seen that they arrested him during that about month and a half stretch there because Jesus had fasted forty days and forty nights immediately after he was baptized. So within that stretch of days is when. When John the Baptist was arrested, they went out into the wilderness. This shows you the determination of the religious leaders to to drown that message messaging that went against their message. They went out into the wilderness. He wasn't in Jerusalem. They went out into the wilderness and they arrested John the Baptist and they put him in prison. Jesus, who was still in the wilderness of of Judea, he left Judea and, and we're told that he departed to Galilee. The 13th verse said, and leaving Nazareth, 
he came and he dwelt in Capernaum. Now, Matthew's gospel, it kind of, it doesn't, it doesn't speak in detail what happened when Jesus, when he first began his ministry. Yes, we were told that he, he left Judea and that he went to Galilee. When he went to Galilee, he went back to his hometown, which was Nazareth. And we find in the fourth chapter of Luke's gospel from the 14th through the 31st verse, if you want to write that down so that you could read it later. That's the fourth chapter of Luke's gospel, the 14th through the 31st verse. Jesus, he in Nazareth, he read from the book of Isaiah to announce who he was and to announce his ministry. And he said that the prophecy of the Messiah had been fulfilled when he read from the book of Isaiah. Now, the folks of Nazareth, his the people in his own hometown, they were so upset with Jesus that 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 they again they believed that that Jesus was blaspheming. They thought that he was uh, being blasphemous by announcing himself as the Messiah. They were saying, "Hey, isn't this John? Uh, isn't this Joseph's son?" How you know they were thinking to themselves, "Well, how could Joseph's son? How could he be saying that he's the Messiah?" And they didn't know the full story. We know the full story about Jesus's birth. So after he read from Isaiah, and after he essentially claimed to be the son of God, the folks of Nazareth they they kicked him out of the synagogue and. They took him to a cliff and they was actually ready to throw him off the cliff. They were ready to throw Jesus to his death. But Jesus, he, he, he essentially escaped. He, he got out of the crowd and we're told that he then made his way to Caponium. All right. That's what's essentially covered there in the 13th verse. Even though in Matthew's gospel, it doesn't go into detail. We can find the detail in the fourth chapter of Luke's gospel. So says, and leaving Nazareth, he came and he dwelt in Caponium, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, uh, then, that it might be fulfilled, the 14th verse says, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, and that's where the Sunday school lesson ends. But again, we know that when Jesus went to Galilee, we know that he ended up gathering uh, his disciples, you know, people like uh, Andrew, people like uh, James and John and Peter, uh, he began to gather up uh, as to make up the, the 12 disciples. Okay, so that's the temptation of Jesus. What did we learn from our Sunday school lesson today? Well, we learned that, that Satan, he will seek to attack us and he'll certainly seek to attack us when he believes that we are in a weak state. But we learned today that so long as we stay diligent to the word of God, so long as we live by the word of God, we learn that we can withstand the wiles of the devil, as Paul would call it. We learn that we can withstand him. We learn that through the word of God, by our faith in Jesus Christ, we learn that we can overcome the temptations of the devil as well. Okay. All right. So that is our Sunday school lesson this week. I hope that you'll come back for our Sunday school lesson next week. And until that time, again, let us continue about keeping each other lifted up in prayer. Pray for all people. You never know what anyone is going through. So certainly be prayerful. And again, let us continue about in grace and in love. That is our calling as a child of God to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Until next time, I will do the same. I will continue to keep all of you lifted up in my prayers. And I pray that the Lord continues to keep and to bless all of you.